Welcome to the Wellness and High Performance Podcast with your host, Coach Peter. Wellness is the foundation that unlocks your highest performance both mentally and physically and allows you to enjoy life to its fullest. In each episode, I share bite-sized health, fitness and performance lessons that are going to help you to live your best life. So, put on your shoes, head out of the door and start stepping into your potential. Hello friends, this is Coach Peter. After listening to today's episode, you are going to want to jump into a time machine and go all the way back to your early childhood. And when you get there, you're going to want to give your parents a couple tips about optimal orofacial development, the development of your face, your jaws, your teeth, your airways. That's because today I sat down with Dr. Donnie Maranwa. Dr. Donnie is a Melbourne-based dentist who practices orofacial myofunctional dentistry. He's going to explain exactly what that means. And we go into all the most important things that need to happen early in a child's development so that the child can realize all the gifts that live inside their genome when it comes to aesthetic, you know, your facial aesthetics and also the size and shape of your airways, which is going to have a cascading impact on every other aspect of your life and subsequently to your whole life. So unfortunately, we don't have time machines, but if you have children, if you're about to have children or if you have relatives or kids or are about to have kids, the information that Dr. Donny covers in this episode is information that most parents don't know about. There is a disconnection somewhere in the system and this information that's absolutely crucial for your children and all the children on this planet so that they can realize all the gifts that live in their, inside their genes when it comes to aesthetics, when it comes to airway size and when it comes to physical and mental performance. We are going to cover with Dr. Donnie what all those things are so that you can educate yourself and you can educate your friends and you know who to seek out for for help if you realize that there might be something going on with the orofacial development of any child any child that's in your life currently so before we jump into the episode i would ask you to please take the opportunity to review and rate the podcast on apple podcast because that is probably the most valuable thing that you can do to help me to grow the podcast so that i can bring even more and i i can bring even more awesome guests into the podcast you also have the opportunity to rate and review me on google when you search for coach Puru on google if you want to connect with me you can do that from instagram at coach Puru or by sending me an email at hello at coach without further ado i bring you dr donny maranwa enjoy And we're on. Dr. Donny Mondrava, thank you so much for joining today's episode. Thank you very much, Coach Pudel. Um, you've been amazing in terms of reaching out to me and inviting me to this podcast. And um, it's such a privilege to be here and to be talking to you. And I hope that we get to share a lot of very useful information for your viewers. 
I think that what you guys do and what you you doing is absolutely some of the most critical information that anyone should know. But um, unfortunately, people that need this information, and that's I think that's where we're trying to intervene today. So, Dr. Doni, you have a background in general dentistry. However, you do not help your patients anymore through just you know traditional dentistry, but rather you help them achieve optimal oral health through orofacial myofunctional dentistry. So I think that'd be a really good place to start. Could you please explain what exactly is orofacial myofunctional dentistry? Of course, now I will probably break down the terminology a little bit more so it's much easier to understand. Orofacial basically means oral and face. So oral means mouth face is face and myofunctional myo means muscles and functional means the way things work so i look at the way the muscles of the mouth and face are working and the way that my patients are using them to feed to swallow to breathe to speak to chew and um, because all these muscle functions and the way these muscles are posturing usually determine the way the jaws and the teeth are going to naturally grow and develop. You see, with, um, with the craniofacial complex, so um, the, the, the hip and the, and the face, the way they naturally grow and develop are usually 60% determined by function and 40% determined by genetics. Um, so there's always the genetic component that can cannot really be changed much once you're born with, with them, you're sort of born with them, but the function can be changed. And a lot of the times when there are functional issues, they tend to actually lock the genetic potential of that individual. So by correcting the functional issues of the muscles of the mountain face, what I'm trying to do is basically just unlock that genetic potential so that patient can grow and develop naturally in the right direction at the rate that they're supposed to be, to, to be doing. Yeah, so it doesn't matter how good looking your parents are and how good your genetics are, but if the function is not, is not there, you are not going to realize those gifts that might have been waiting for you in your, in your genome, is that right? That is absolutely the right way of um, explaining it, actually. And, um, you know, I do see a lot of patients, for example, where the, the child doesn't look anything like the parents because of functional issues. For example, if someone is a mouth breather, they tend to have a longer face because their lips are always apart, their mouth is always open, which means that, that their lower jaw is dropping down with a low tongue posture. And as they grow, if all these muscles are in these types of, um, uh, of dysfunction and um, an incorrect posture, the face tends to develop according to, to the functional issues. And, um, and, and so, so the face is actually determined by the way that you are breathing, chewing, swallowing, and the way that you use all these muscles of the mountain face. Yeah, and I would mm -hmm. love to just in a moment. I would love to get into more specifically of you walking down the path. But before that, what was there any one particular? What was the pivotal moment in your career when you you went from practicing from you know um, general dentistry and you you saw that okay, this is something that I can apply and help patients even more. 
Well, I, I graduated as a dentist in 1998, actually, quite a long time ago, actually. Um, time really flies. And, um, and when I first graduated, um, Coach Peru, I, I actually wanted to be a prosthodontist. A prosthodontist is, is a dentist who specializes in crowns, veneers, dental implants, right? So it's a lot of more restorative type of work um, of, of the teeth and, um, and, and the function of how the teeth are biting together. But uh, I, was, I was lucky enough uh, to, to work at a very, very progressive dental practice uh, early in my career uh, that were doing a lot of dentofacial orthopedics. So dentofacial orthopedics means it's trying to get the jaws to widen while they still have that growth potential. So that practice was using a lot of uh, removable expansion for the jaws and um, you know appliances that make the jaws to grow wider and correct the jaw relationship so that the top jaw and the bottom jaw are, are relating correctly um, as the patient's growing. And from there, I was also not actually seeing just patients that are still growing, but um, there, were, there were quite a lot of adults that used to come to see us saying that, you know, I've had orthodontic treatment in the past and I find that my teeth are moving back. So they're relapsing and I find that uh, my, my jaws are, are still quite small. And when I smile, like I have a narrow smile and so on. And I started to take interest in terms of why are these patients that's had traditional type of orthodontics in the past and a lot of them that that come that I came across are complaining about narrow smile, uh, narrow jaws, um, uh, you know, and, uh, um, and not being able to bite properly, uh, jaw joint issues, and um, they were snoring. And, uh, you know, so why are there a lot of these issues if they've already had orthodontic treatment? Because during university days, we were taught that orthodontic treatment is actually to just straighten teeth, right? And so I started to take interest because I, I started to realize that it's not just about straight teeth. It's not just about having healthy teeth, healthy gums. Um, and it's not just about biting and the teeth are biting properly, but it's also about the function. What, what is it that's relating the size and the shape and the relationship of the jaws and the teeth to the way that each one of my patients swallowing, speaking, breathing, sleeping, how does that affect the function of that person? So I dwelt into more of the functional type of dentistry and I, um, and I um, sought a lot of, uh, I suppose, education myself in, in that field. And one of the first ones that I did was what's called chirodontics. Chirodontics is basically a combination of chiropractic and dentistry, looking at how the jaws are relating and sitting in the skull and how the skull is sitting on your spine, um, on, on the hips, on your, on your knees, on your ankles. So, so the whole overall body posture. And, um, and I started to realize that everything is connected. You know, during university days, we were really only taught that dentist, your job is here and you don't have to look anywhere else, right? Doctors, your job is somewhere else. And so all these medical and health practitioners, unfortunately, um, in, in terms of the academic type of education, we were all taught separately and we were never taught how things are interconnected together. 
And so by, um, by learning what the chiropractors were doing and how that's relating to dentistry, um, I started to gain an understanding of how everything was connected because our, our whole body, we have lots of different systems. There's the, there's the skeletal systems, which are the bones, you know, there's also the muscular systems, but also there's the lymphatic systems, there's the respiratory system. So all these systems actually need to work to support each other for the body to remain healthy and to grow and develop as optimally as possible. So because I was seeing all these functional issues, I started to want to basically try to see why are they developing these issues? Can I actually prevent my patients from um, having these issues, minimizing the risk of them having these issues, right? And the more I learn about it, the more that I um, went deeper and deeper into orofacial myofunctional type of dentistry and looking at the root causes of, um, of the issues that a lot of my adult patients were facing. And then starting to even realize more that I have to treat even earlier because the earlier that patient is, the more potential there is still for the natural growth and development to occur. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's absolutely fascinating. And I think that really the, the key is the natural growth, like, like, you know, for millions of years of human evolution, you know, like their skulls and teeth, like were pretty spot on, but then how they, you know, those guys didn't have chiropractors, they didn't have dentists, they didn't have, you know, any of these specialized occupations. It was that just these natural natural things occurring that led to the the, the fu natural functions which led to the optimal development so i think that's a really good segue for us to kind of go into like what what is it that like can you take us all the way back like where does it start what is the first thing as a, as a baby is born what is the first thing that's going to start setting the stage for for optimal or suboptimal facial and jaw growth I think when um, when I see babies, you see, I see I see patients of any age, and my my youngest patient so far uh, was two days old actually. And what I believe in uh, babies is that when they're born, babies are born to be able to 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 be breastfed by their mums, right? And that breastfeeding motion is actually already developing the proper oral postures and oral functions. So when a baby is breastfeeding, they should be using their lips to latch on to, to the breast, which is forming a nice seal around the breast. And, um, and it's their tongue that's actually pumping the breast milk and doing the swallowing, doing a lot of that mechanism of, of the swallowing um, um, pattern. Now, if a baby is born, say, with a tongue restriction, and most commonly nowadays it's known as tongue tie, um, which means that the string or the attachment under the tongue is quite short and thick and restricting the elevation of the tongue, that's when the tongue becomes dysfunctional and that baby actually would not be able to swallow properly when they are being um, fed. And what happens is when the tongue is unable to elevate the way it should be, then other muscles of the face would need to compensate for that baby to continue to be able to feed. For example, 
the cheeks would probably need to be overactivated. Um, the chin and all these jaw muscles would need to to overactivate themselves to be able to uh, pull that breast milk and push that breast milk to create the pressure to be able to swallow. And what happens is when these other facial muscles, which are not supposed to be active at all during the breastfeeding um, mechanism, when they're activated, they already would start to cause a lot of developmental issues, especially towards the jaw bones. Because if you imagine um, the, the cheeks, your cheek muscles, let's, let's just take the cheek muscles only. If the cheek muscles are overactivated when you are sucking, like so, these cheek muscles are pushing inward. And if you imagine what's sitting underneath your cheeks are actually your jaws. Mm. So if the cheek muscles are sucking and overactivating, causing a lot of unwanted forces inward, the jaws would be unable to naturally widen because they keep, the, the jaws would keep getting the pressure from the outside in. But what we want is we want the tongue to actually be functioning and posturing ideally, which means that it would go elevating up towards the palate and causing that pressure from the inside out for the jaws to be able to widen naturally. So breastfeeding, even you know, in, in babies, is a very, very important mechanism in terms of the jaw development. And, um, and also mouth breathing as well, you know, because when, when a, a baby has um, a tongue restriction and the tongue is unable to elevate, the, that tongue tends to have a low posture in the mouth, which means that it is actually much easier for the mouth to just drop open. And because when the mouth drops open, there's a bigger cavity in there and, um, and the body's probably thinking, well, wait a minute, there's a bigger cavity where I can... I feel like I can get more air and it can actually start to establish that mouth breathing habit, which is actually dysfunctional breathing. You know, the, the nose has been designed for breathing. The mouth was never designed for breathing. They said the mouth was designed for eating, chewing, um, swallowing, right? And, um, and, and speaking. So, um, you know, for, so mouth breathing is also a dysfunction as well. And it can be related for, with, 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 um, with oral restrictions and, and such. Mm. yeah wow so it's like when the when the mouth is open number one the tongue is not in the correct position exerting pressure against the top jaw to grow forwards and outwards but two it's actually in the wrong place exerting pressure into the wrong direction absolutely right so what i tend to see for example with my patients who are chronic mouth breathers and they've been mouth breathing all their lives right usually what i tend to see is an open lip posture, a lower jaw that is more recessed and longer face. So when I see a patient for the first time, I don't even really have to look inside their mouth to sort of work out already what kind of functional issues that they may or possibly have. Um, and then I would obviously ask them further questions about their history and so on that would give me a, a better indication of where they have been and how they've been using the muscles of the mouth and face. But what tends to happen is when you're a mouth breather and you develop that long face, the tongue is low, the roof of the mouth, which is the palate, would be higher. So it's, it's what we would call a high arch palate. So if you look at my fingertips here, that's basically the, the, the top of the palate in your mouth. And my palms here 
um, are like, like the teeth. So if the tongue is never pushing up against the roof of the mouth, that palate remains high. And if you imagine the cheeks keep pushing my hands in, that palate remain high and narrow. But if the tongue starts to push from the inside, that hand starts to spread and the palate becomes wider and flatter, right? And so the tongue, ideal posture and functioning um, uh, posture is actually to elevate up towards the roof of the mouth. Now, what's interesting as well, if you think about it, the roof of your mouth here is actually the same bone as the floor of your nose too, right? So when you have a narrow jaw with a high arch palate, I tend to see a nasal, well, nasal anatomy that's a bit more shorter. And sometimes in my patient, I don't think there's even a research on it. This is just from my own evaluation. Sometimes when I see a high arch palate, narrow upper jaw, and the nose looks shorter, the nasal septum, which is the middle wall of the nose, tends to be a bit crooked, a bit deviated. Mm -hmm. And I think because that nasal septum continues to want to grow, but the palate is compressing it. So it mm. needs to curve somewhere in there, which can actually have a knock-on effect. Because if you have a deviated septum, your nasal cavities between right and left is not symmetrical. You could be narrow on one side, which makes you actually more difficult to breathe through the nose as well. So all these functional issues of the muscles of the mouth and face actually has an effect on other functions as well um, in your body. Um, and, uh, and, and, and it, it becomes like, which came first, you know, the chicken or the egg, for example, did the deviated nasal septum come first and that's why it's harder to breathe through the nose or is it because the jaw is narrow and the, the septum becomes deviated so it becomes harder to breathe through the nose or, you know, so it's trying to really work out the, the jigsaw puzzles and try to fit them all together and get to the root cause of the patient. And if you treat the root cause, then you tick all the boxes one by one and start to actually have solutions to work towards the, the uh, ultimate goal of achieving that optimal functional oral health. Yeah, mm. that's really, really good. So we've established that Breastfeeding teaches the baby to hold the tongue in the correct posture, which is going to get the tongue in the right place. We get the airways developing into the right direction. We also develop mm -hmm. the habit of nasal breathing. So what other um, functions of the complex, you know, you already mentioned swallowing and, and chewing. What, what is it that, why are they important and how do they play in the development of the orofacial complex? So a lot of these functions, um, Coach Puro, they actually have an effect. Um, they, they, they sort of have an overlapping effect on the way the orofacial complex, the dentofacial complex are, are developing and growing naturally, right? So when the tongue is swallowing, let's, let's take, for example, the swallowing for, for, um, as the first instance. When the tongue is swallowing, if you look at my hand here and um, say this is the tip of the tongue, this is the top of the tongue, and this is the part of the tongue that goes into your throat, right? When the tongue is swallowing and you have food or liquid on top of your tongue, your tongue would want to do what's called a peristaltic motion that pushes the food and the liquid down to your throat. So it needs to actually push the tip against the roof of the mouth and then the top of the tongue 
seals itself against the roof of the mouth to create that pressure to push the food back into your throat, right? So what happens when you're swallowing properly like that and you're not actually compensating that swallow by using any other muscles, that tongue is putting a lot of pressure onto the roof of the mouth that actually widens that palate and widens the upper jaw. So when you look at the upper jaw from this angle, instead of having a narrow A-shaped looking jaw, that jaw should be wide and U-shaped. Okay, so it's it should be like the shape of the tongue actually. And that tells me that the tongue is functioning well up against the roof of the mouth. But the other thing as well with tongue posture is if you if we go back to um, that tongue position again, I'm taking my hand as the tongue. If you look at my wrist right here, that is actually the back of the tongue that's in the throat, right? So the throat is right at the back here. And if this tongue is low, my wrist just went back into the throat. And if the tongue is resting against the palate, my wrist just went forward. So having that elevated tongue posture, what it means is you're actually opening up your airway as well, right? And I see a lot of See, when, when I do, um, um, uh, when I first see patients, I gathered comprehensive records. So I take radiographs like x-rays, photos, videos, and I often see on the x-rays of my patients from the side of their head, if they have a low tongue posture, I can actually see that tongue, the wrist dropping and collapsing back and narrowing the airway. And I can see in terms of the shape of the upper jaw is usually that narrow triangular A-shaped jaw when I look at it from that angle, right? And that tells me that that tongue is low posture, that patient's probably not sawing properly, that patient is also most likely no, um, uh, mouth breathing instead of nose breathing. And these x-rays are taken when the patient is standing up. So can you imagine the patient standing up, the tongue is low, right? and the tongue's already narrowing the airway, what happens when the patient sleeps? That's a different position again. Where do you think the tongue would end up? It would block the airway completely. And often what I see with these patients when they have a low tongue posture, usually they would be snoring with their mouth open. Snoring is just means turbulent, turbulence in the air, in the breathing, right? Uh, and that's why there's, there's the noise that you can hear. Um, and they tend to be snoring, uh, they tend to be mouth breathers because the tongue has to stay low. If the tongue is up against the mouth, you actually cannot breathe through the mouth, no matter if your lips are open or not. If my lips are open and my tongue's up, I can't breathe through my mouth at all. I have to breathe through my nose, right? So the tongue position to me is very, very important. Now, if you talk about chewing as well, Coach Perrot, chewing also influences the way your jaws grow. A lot of patients chew on one side of the mouth. Say, say you just chew on, on my left side here. When you chew on that, um, on that side all the time and the jaws are still growing and developing naturally, you tend to build up the jawbone horizontally, so sideways. The side that you don't chew the jawbones is still naturally growing and developing. It doesn't mean that it's not growing and developing, but it tends to grow more vertically, right? 
Because if you think about it, when you chew, you're putting a lot of forces. And when you put a lot of forces, the teeth are getting all these chewing forces, these masticatory forces. And the teeth, the, the forces go through the teeth that are sitting on the jawbone. So the bone needs to thicken itself to be able to withstand the forces. So the side that you chew on, you tend to have that bone growing more horizontally, more wider. And the side that you don't, the bone tends to grow more vertically. So sometimes I actually even see when I look at that jaw from that angle again, that it's not even symmetrical. One side is wider than the other. Um, and that can really affect the bite. And if you think about it, where the top teeth, if the top teeth are not symmetrical because the jaw bones are symmetrical, the bottom teeth tend to want to bite against the top teeth. And the bottom teeth are sitting on this bottom jaw bone that is not fixed on your hip. This, this bottom jaw bone, this mandible is actually moving all the time. So if the upper jaw is not symmetrical, the teeth are not symmetrical, the bottom teeth need to try to fit in, it can really affect the position of the bottom jaw as well. I see a lot of bottom jaws that's not level and it's a little bit tilted or a little bit rotated. Um, and it's because the issue is not, it's not that the bottom jaw is tilted or rotated, the issue is actually on the top jawbone. Um, the shape and the dimensions and the symmetry of, of the top jawbone is not ideal. Yeah, yeah wow. So um, it's already been established that, you know, like the, the, this is absolutely critical. I mean, like you said that when the jaws develop optimally, that sets the stage for optimal teeth development and all these other things are going to go right as well. But how are the aesthetics of the face? You know, when we see that, oh, wow, that person just, they, they look beautiful or they look, they look handsome, you know, like what is it that's common with an aesthetically pleasing face and then with large airways? Like do, do those things have something in common? It'd be great to hear about that. It, it can definitely be related. Uh, so when you look at, for example, let's, let's take some famous people that people, um, you know, maybe a lot of our viewers are, are already familiar with, say Julia Roberts and Angelina Jolie, right? They both have that forward face. You see, they have full lips, forward jaw, um, nice jawline, very, very defined jawlines, which means that, um, you know, their jaws are not retruded not recessed everything has developed and grown forward and when that face has grown forward that airway is much much more open and you could see in a lot of their photos when they're not smiling their lips are always closed there is no tension around the lips the chin the cheeks and so on they're nose breathers you see and then when they smile you can see their teeth from the very very back teeth on one side to the back teeth on the other side nice and broad smile there's no such thing as black triangles when they smile because when there's black triangles when you smile that means the jaw is narrow and those triangles are actually just the the spaces between the cheeks and and your teeth right so when you see a, a broad smile and you just see a tooth to another tooth on the other side says all full of teeth you can tell that that jaw is nice and wide as well um, and when we look at facial aesthetics we usually look at facial thirds so facial thirds means we divide the face into into one third portion and usually the one third portion is from the chin to just under the nose 
and then just under the nose to the eyebrows and in the eyebrows to the top of the head. And these thirds should actually be equal thirds. And that's what gives us the nice facial aesthetics. And also when you look, when, when you divide the face vertically as well, um, you can actually divide that into thirds as well, um, according to the side of the nose here and then the side of the eyes, right? And that should all be equal thirds as well. And if you look at, you know, Angelina Jolie and Julia Roberts and you work out their facial thirds, they're all almost ideal, the facial thirds. And, um, and so the aesthetics actually is a bonus in a way when you have a, a nice functioning wide airway and your nasal breathing, you're breathing properly with your tongue up, lips relaxed and um, closed and there's no facial tension at all. So the facial muscles actually needs to have that relaxed posture. The tongue needs to have that elevated posture for the jaws and the, the cranial bones to be able to grow and develop ideally in the right direction, which is more forward and wide. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm. So what is, um, what, when, when I, I come to orofacial myofunctional therapist or I come and, you know, a, a child comes in that you guys practice orofacial myofunctional dentistry, what does that look like? Like what, how do you, how can you help? First of all, maybe I think it's a good place to start is that what are some signs and symptoms that parents should be aware about that they might not know about that? Okay, now they might not be everything might not be going correctly. And then how, how does the process work when they come and see a person like yourself? Sure. Um, now, there, there's a lot of signs and symptoms that that can give us a clue that there is actually orofacial dysfunction in a child. And when I first see a patient of mine that I've never met before, I would actually just sit down with them in a consult room first and have about 45 minutes to an hour just asking questions and finding out the history of that patient uh, and the history of that patient from the patient themselves and also from their parents. So there's a lot of things that uh, that um, that the parents may usually give me clues in terms of where the dysfunctions are. So I ask questions like, what was the birth experience like? You know, was there tra tra trauma in the birth? Um, was, was the baby stuck? Did they need to use forceps to deliver the baby, for example? Because if there's quite a bit of trauma during the delivery, that could cause a lot of cranial distortion in the head. And if you imagine, um, if you think about it, actually not imagine, if you think about it, the jaws are actually part of the cranial bones. These jaws are actually in your head. So the cranium is your head. So the jaws are part of the cranial bones. So if there's distortion in any part of your head, the jaws may get distorted as well. So I have um, seen a lot of uh, patients that um, that's got flat head at the back, for example, you know, with, with babies because they tend to sleep on one side or um, uh, you know on one side of um, of their head all the time, putting that pressure and having that flat head. And what happens is when there's a distortion like that, the upper jaw tends to get distorted as well, and then the relationship of the bottom jaw against that top jaw gets affected too. So, um, so even the, the birth experience uh, can give me a clue. Then I would ask about the breastfeeding experience. Had that been 
um, what, was there any challenges with the breastfeeding? Because that would give me a clue as well. Was there any restrictions in the mouth? Was there any overactivity of the facial muscles? Is there any speech issues, speech developmental issues? So if you if you think about it, if the tongue, for example, has been low posture or if there's been a restriction and it's unable to elevate, there's certain pronunciations that we would struggle to, to develop and to establish. And, um, and uh, for example, if you say the letter N, if the tongue tip is unable to go up to that N, what we call the N spot, then you would actually go N. Your tongue would actually thrust forward and may end up in between your top and bottom teeth, N, right? That's not N, that's N, okay? So there's a, there's a, a speech can give us a, a lot of clue as well. And keep in mind, a lot of these tongue restrictions, there's a lot of health practitioners that's, and a lot of parents actually that's been misinformed. Um, and, and it's not their fault. It's because, you know, some health practitioners just haven't had the education. A lot of health practitioners say that, oh, you can stick your tongue out. You don't have a tongue tie, right? It's not about the tongue extension. It's about the tongue elevation. That's how you judge a tongue restriction because the proper posture, the proper function, again, of the tongue is to elevate up to the roof of the mouth. The proper function and rest posture of the tongue is not to be forward. It's not to be thrusting forward in between your teeth. Um, so speech can give us a bit of a clue as well. Then sleep. So I ask questions like, does your, does your child snore? Have you noticed any teeth grinding? Have you noticed any sleep apnea episode like pausing of the breathing, gasping for air when they sleep? Are they restless? Are they moving around a lot because they're trying to get a comfortable position to be able to breathe better, right? Do they, um, do they wake up multiple times in the middle of the night? Um, do they have prolonged history of bedwetting? Um, when they wake up in the morning, do you think they're still tired? Because you can imagine um, yourself, Coach Piri, if you've had a really bad sleep in the morning, you've, you know, even though you say you went to bed at 9 p.m. and then you woke up at 7 a.m., you felt like you've had a 10-hour sleep, but you woke up really grumpy because you actually had a poor quality sleep. Poor quality sleep, mouth breathing that can be related and it can actually affect your mood and your behavior so there's a lot of my um, uh, patients who are children who are actually struggling at school uh, struggling with their concentration and their um, school performance struggling at sport you know they're running out of stamina and energy when they're doing sports where even when they're doing school sports right so um so the sleep quality is actually very important important it's not sleep quantity it's a sleep quality that's very very important and i also ask questions like has there been any issues with the airway for example any history of multiple ear infections or tonsillitis or sinusitis or hay fever or nasal congestion because all these things can be related to um to to the dysfunctions of the of the orofacial um and uh, and also i asked about their nutrition do they take a lot of dairy, gluten, sugar? Sugar is probably the number one food group that can cause inflammation in the human body, right? Um, and uh, and I think I think there's been a lot of um, 
it's been documented quite quite a lot about the the dangers of having too much sugar right everything is good in moderation but uh you know when you have too much of something it may not be a good thing yeah absolutely and mm. like the, the body gives us these cues like did you experience mm. bloating gas um you know brain fog but what a lot of people don't realize is excessive mucus production that's a, a response from the body that you've been eating something that doesn't like you you might like the food but the food just doesn't like you and you know maybe Absolutely. it's not that you have to cut it out completely oftentimes everyone has a tolerance and as long as you're kind of playing around underneath the tolerance you're fine but when you yeah. go above the tolerance and you do that consistently that's when you start running into problems Absolutely. I mean, I'll give you an example of my own daughter, right? So when she was a toddler, she used to suffer from eczema. And, um, and we basically eliminated dairy from her diet and the eczema just got better. So eczema is like infl inflammatory disease, actually. But then a few years later, we actually went to Europe for a holiday. And when we were in France, there was every food had dairy in it, right? And so we just had to give it to her and the eczema came back. So we had to actually find food that were dairy free um, for her to, to be able to, you know, get better straight away. And then once we changed that diet again, um, and of course, you know, she, she never had a breakout anymore. Yeah. So it's just as simple as that sometimes. And that's just my own personal experience yeah 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 mm. wow because because that the thing with that is that if you're experiencing a lot of mucus production at night that can obviously you're not breathing through your nose you're breathing through your mouth and that's gonna lead you down the path of everything that we've already discussed here absolutely yeah. there's that knock-on effect of everything and then if you're a mouth breather as well can you imagine how when you're breathing through the nose the air that goes in and out through the nose Inside our nose, there's all these little shelves and nose hair that moisten and humidify the air, filters all the germs and allergens. But then when you breathe through your mouth, there's nothing like that. It just goes straight down your throat. So sometimes when I see uh, someone who's a chronic mouth breather, their tonsils are quite enlarged. Why? Because the tonsils is, the, is, is immune glands, right? And if there's nothing, there's no filter breathing through the mouth, that tonsils responding. But when the tonsil is getting enlarged and it starts to narrow the airway, you tend to want to open your mouth more because your airway gets obstructed more by the tonsils. So it, it's a knock-on effect. You know, enlarged tonsils can be related to mouth breathing, but which one came first, the chicken or the egg kind of thing too. Mm. Absolutely. The nose is the first body's first line mechanism against airborne pathogens. And yeah, like we were speaking before we jumped on air, you know, at times like this, you know, everyone's very interested about what kind of germs are in entering their bodies and mm. yes you know a face mask is going to be useful but you also have this thing that's evolved for millions of years and it's specifically designed to protect you from dust allergens airborne pathogens so use it the nose absolutely absolutely <laughs> yeah. so so then let's say you know you've just prescribed these signs and symptoms that something might be going on with the with, with the development like what does it then look like when they when when the treatment or the, the retraining should i say starts so after after the, the gathering of the functional history then i would usually gather full orthodontic records which consist of photos videos and i take photos not just the teeth and bite but the tongue measure the tongue 
their face from different angles, their posture. Um, and their posture gives me a lot of clues as well. A lot of mount breeders tend to have a forward head posture because they're trying to open up their airway at the back, you know, uh, which put a lot of strain on their back muscles and they would need um, a lot of uh, uh, treatment and, and therapy from, from a body worker. So I usually co-manage pretty much all of my patients with a body worker, like an osteopath or a chiropractor who, um, who understand what I do as well. So we're always on the same page and the patients never get lost, right? Yeah. And um, and uh, my records also consist of radiographs, which are x-rays of the jaws and of the head. And sometimes I take a 3D scan of, of the head to measure the airway if I have to. Um, and also I take a 3D model of their bite as well. So I can measure how narrow their upper dental arches, their lower dental arches and so on. Um, and I take videos. I actually take videos of my patients when they speak when they breathe, when they chew, when they move their tongue, because these videos can be very, very powerful. Sometimes I see in a video, a patient with their lips just resting open like that, right? Which means that they're so used to having that open lip posture. And then when they take a breath, they do, they're using their chest and upper body, right? They are mouth breathers, you see? So, um, uh, you know, when you're breathing, you're not supposed to be moving any shoulders or any chest. It's supposed to be just your diaphragm that's moving up and down, pumping the air in and out through your nose. And so the videos are actually can be very, very powerful. Once I have all those records and I've analyzed them, then I would sit down with the patient and the parents and go through what's going on, you know, the findings, the root causes, what are we trying to achieve? What are the options and what will be my recommended treatment? And if it is an orofacial myofunctional type of treatment, basically there's the big three that we want to achieve. One is tongue up, breathe through the nose and lips close, right? Now, this big three is quite well known within um, the, the health practitioner network um, of functional health practitioners. But to me, tongue up, breathe through the nose, lips close are just very simple way of, uh, you know, making you aware that that's what you're supposed to be doing. But there's a lot more involved to that. When we say tongue up, for example, it's not just the tip of the tongue that's going up. It's actually the whole tongue needs to be resting on the roof of the mouth. If only my tip is up on the roof of, of my mouth and my mouth, my lips are open, I can still breathe through my mouth, actually. But if my whole tongue is suctioning up against the roof of my mouth, I actually cannot breathe through my mouth at all. So it's the whole tongue elevation that is important. It's not just tongue up, but the whole tongue is resting against the roof of the mouth. Nose breathing. Yes, you got to nose breathe, but you also got to nose breathe properly as well. You know, use your diaphragm to nose breathe and it's shallow, calm breathing that is regulated so that you get the right amount, the right balance of oxygen, carbon dioxide and nitric oxide, which are all the gases that you need uh, um, to circulate and oxygenate all your organs. Lips closed. Lips closed doesn't mean you're closing your lips like this, right? That's a lot of tension there. Lips closed means your lips are resting in a relaxed manner together, top and bottom. Right. And if we spoke about Angelina Jolie before, whenever you see her uh, not smiling, her lips are just relaxed and close together. Right. There's no tension, nothing. She's not trying to close the lips. So lips closed just means relaxed lip posture and the lips are actually remaining together and not apart. 
Um, and uh, besides those big three, swallowing properly is also important. And we've already touched um, on that earlier on in which when we swallow, it's the tongue that needs to work exclusively um, against the palate in that peristaltic wave motion that I was talking about. Yeah. Mm. So a lot of my therapy, Coach Pira, is basically trying to aim for those things. And there's a lot of exercises that we prescribe according to what the patient needs because everyone has may, may have different dysfunction. For example, if I see you as a patient, if I see me as a patient, we both may have different dysfunctions that we may need to correct first. Um, this visit, for example, I see you that you are um, have have a lot of lip tension. There's a lot of um, you know overactivity of your lips. I've got to work on that first, and then once your lips are probably a bit more relaxed, then I notice. Wait a minute, you're probably overactivating your cheeks a bit more. Let's work on that. So sometimes when you, when you work and try to correct one dysfunction, another dysfunction that were that were probably masked by the previous dysfunction surfaced and then we've got to focus on that so there's a lot of health practitioners out there who do orofacial myofascial therapy that go by a recipe book everyone goes through step one step two step three step four and they even have apps and things like that that go through the exercises and prescribe their patient oh this week you just go through step one and this is the app for you it doesn't work like that orofacial myofascial therapy should be customized to the patient because everyone has different dysfunctions. I may not be a mouth breather, but I may not be swallowing properly. You know, you may be a mouth breather, um, but uh, um, you know, but but there's other dysfunctions um, as well that you've got to look after. And so, not every patient can go through a recipe book. And that's like when I teach, for example, I teach uh, my students to become free thinkers. You got to think about what each patient each individual needs because they are all an individual right and and develop that myofunctional eye look for the breathing habits look for the tongue posture look for the compensations from the facial muscles look at all these little clues how are they breathing are they are they using their chest as i um, gave you the example before those things are clues that will give us an indication of what would be the proper prescription of their exercises would be yeah Great. And what is the ideal age? What, what are the time frames of um, development when it comes to the jaws, the upper and the lower jaw? Now, um, when I went through university, we actually learned about craniofacial development, right? And it's a book by Enlo. So that, that is like, like the Bible of growth studies of the craniofacial complex. Now, according to Enlo, the facial complex has done, well, has completed 50% of the growth by the time you're four years old and 80% of the growth by the time you're six years old and 90% of the growth by the time you're 11 years old, right? So there's a lot of growth that happens in the first six years of life, actually, and then it slows down. And then between 11 to 18, there's only 10% left. And that 10% just becomes smaller and smaller the older you get to 18, right? And I'm talking the average here. It doesn't mean that every patient's going to have, or when, when you're four, definitely 50%. When you're six, definitely 80%. This is just the average, right? 
So I tend to want to see my patients as early as I can. And um, when I look at and, and evaluate these dysfunctions, once I notice the dysfunction, then I would also need to um, assess, I suppose, how compliant would they be if I give them exercises, if I start their therapy, right? The youngest that I have started therapy on is about three, three and a half years old, actually. And, um, and it doesn't mean that, that I can start any patient that's three, three and a half year old, because it depends on their level of maturity. You know, chronological age is one thing, but the three, three and a half year old that I started, that patient probably had a maturity level of a five, six year old, you know, could actually follow instructions well, could actually focus and understand and how, how to practice the exercises properly, you know, so the level of compliance is, is very, very important. Um, but most of my patients probably fall within the six to nine years old group there. Um, so what we want to do is we want to try to get that growth. If the growth has been missing out because of all the dysfunction, we want to try to get that growth to speed up and catch up to where they're supposed to be. And once that growth has um, caught up to where they're supposed to be, then we continue to support and guide the natural growth um, that they, they're still continuing on and continue to guide that in the right direction, basically. Mm. Fantastic. And it's funny just listening to that because, you know, for my, I'm, and I'm sure you can see this without even me telling you, but like for my whole life, people always called me a baby face. Uh -huh. And, you know, like it makes so much sense knowing what I, what I know now, you know, especially after visiting Dr. Who at your your practice you know we did the scans and he said that yeah yeah your your maxilla your top jaw is seven millimeters behind where mm -hmm. it's supposed to be at you know h h4 or h h5 or six or something like that and it's like yeah you know myself i underwent from h5 to 15 we did um orthodontics braces expansion um lots of money lots of frustration lots of efforts and you know this was in finland um you know back in the day i'm not, not that old but still and no mm. one ever told us no one ever told me like close your lips where's mm. where's your tongue mm. you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's been amazing like then as i was 20 this is how i kind of got into learning about this stuff was that mm. when i was 26 years old and I wasn't sleeping well, like you were saying. I was doing all the right things in the sleep hygiene checklist, still wasn't sleeping well. Mm. I did a sleep study and I was waking up five times every hour because I was my airway was collapsing. So, you know, as, a, as an adult, like that was just like now hearing this back, it's like, wow, like I wish I, I could go into a time machine and just let me <laughs> introduce my parents to you. When, when I was at that age. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is what's actually quite sad for me. And, uh, you know, going back to your um, one of your first questions, what was the pivotal moment that um, uh, changed me from, you know, doing general dentistry to doing this is uh, because like the example you just gave me, you know, no one ever really thought about the function. Because to be honest with you, when you look at the function, and you're trying to correct the function. This patient has been functioning that way all their lives, right? That is what's normal to them. 
And to change something that's normal to you is actually not easy. It's actually pretty tough and it's, it's quite a lot of work, right? Because if your body thinks that's normal and you're trying to change that normal to become a better normal, see, what's normal doesn't mean it's ideal. What I'm trying to do is to try to get your normal as close to your ideal as possible, right? And changing that is not easy because your body has already been built in. It's already used to having that what what it thinks is normal yeah so so a lot of practitioners tend to think about just the symptoms and how to fix the symptoms right um just the structure how to fix that structure but never think about the actual function itself and get to the root cause and try to change and and fix the root cause um, and prevent the the symptoms from happening in the first place mm. yeah 100 yeah. percent do you could you explain how can orofacial myofunctional training I, I like to call it training because like i feel like you know therapy yeah. it's um you know like you said that's you know it's individualized it's very specific dealing with the with the root causes but then when you have someone like me you know who's i've done all my natural growth nothing left um i'm realized that i might have some sleep apnea i'm snoring at night time how can orofacial training help me to improve the quality of my sleep? I'll give you an example of uh, an adult patient that I saw probably about three, four years ago, um, who was about 27 years old, right? Um, and he actually was having trouble. Well, he, would, he wasn't having trouble sleeping, but he was having sleep issues um, that he came to me to help him to us, I suppose what, what he came across as is to, to improve his facial tone, facial muscle tone so that he can sleep much better and get a better quality of sleep. So his issues with this, when he came to see me, he, he used to snore that his partner would need to push him and roll him to the side and then he, he would stop the snoring. To be able to sleep without snoring, he used to need to have four pillows behind him. So he used to sleep pretty much almost upright for him to be able to sleep without snoring, right? Wow. That tells him, and he was doing a lot of research as well, um, that was telling him that his tongue was collapsing back and, um, and blocking his airway. So he came to see me to have some training to really develop that tongue elevation and tongue strength to actually keep it suctioning up against the palate even when he was asleep, you see? So for adults, I think it's all about increasing and improving that muscle tone so the posture and the function actually gets better. So what happened with him was we did um, eight visits of, um, of training, his tongue, his lips, his cheeks, his breathing, he, um, he did not, he never had actually any orthodontic treatment in the past. He's, he had all his teeth, he had no extractions, nothing, never had a, uh, a jaw expansion plate, nothing, right? And, um, and he had no issue with his bite and so on. Um, but he was just snoring because his tongue was just weaker and low posture and collapsing back to the airway. He had no tongue tie or anything like that. Now, after four visits, so I was seeing him once a week, after the fourth visit, he said to me, I'm now sleeping without a pillow. 
and I'm sleeping horizontally flat and I'm silent when I sleep. My partner doesn't complain anymore, right? And uh, that just shows me that, wow, this is awesome. You know, he's, he's been practicing um, his exercises. He's been actually building up that strength of his um, orofacial muscles, that his tongue is posturing in the right place, that his airway is remaining patent and wide, and he's continuing to nasal breathe maybe when he sleeps, and he's getting better quality sleep as well. So um, a lot of my adult patients that I see, um, it's mainly about really uh, improving that orofacial muscle tone um, to help them with their sleep quality, even with their breathing quality. It's not so much about the jaw growth anymore, you see, because yeah. they don't really have much potential of, uh, of the jaws to grow um, naturally anymore. Um, and if they do need some kind of, um, uh, I suppose, correction of their bite and strengthening their teeth, you know, that's when I would do a bit of orthodontics. See, see what I do, Coach Pira, it's not actually trying to avoid braces, right? Um, because I treat earlier and catch my patients while they still have that potential of natural growth, what I'm trying to do is get that growth potential unlocked and the growth in the right direction to create as much room as possible to be able to fit their future adult teeth and get their function as optimal as possible. Because if the function is correct, the, the, the development and the growth is going to be much pre preferable as well, much more, much more ideal, right? But braces or clear aligners, what they do is they actually just straighten adult teeth. So some patients may still need braces or clear aligners to, to straighten their adult teeth, you know, even though there's enough spaces for the adult teeth to erupt, um, some adult teeth may grow a little bit twisted or a little bit crooked, and they just need to be fine-tuned in terms of the position um, so they look aesthetically much pleasing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it there's, there's a lot of people out there who things that I'm trying to avoid braces and my yeah. treatment is no braces, but that's not what it's about actually. Yeah. 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 And for, from my personal experience that, you know, orofacial myofunctional training, like I initially, I started with, I came across oxygen advantage, which is the, you know, focusing on the breath and yes. trying to improve the quality of the sleep by reducing the amount of air that you breathe and by making mm -hmm. your breathing lighter. Mm -hmm. That had an that had a big impact, but when I got, came across um, my functional training, it was exactly like you just said. It was like after a couple of weeks of really focusing on the strengthening the tongue and also strengthening mm -hmm. on the. I understand that it's it's the tongue and then it's the what do you call the um, pharyngeal constrictor muscles, yep. which make mm -hmm. up, make up the sort of the walls of the airway. Yes, number one the tongue becomes less likely to collapse into the airway. Number two, the muscles themselves that make up the airway become more resistant for the airway collapses. Yes. And it was just incredible. Like I couldn't believe it, like how big of an impact they had on my, my sleep, my quality of my life, my mood, like my girlfriend, she can, um, you can call her up and she can attest to that, that you're a very, very <laughs> grumpy boyfriend. So, I think there's a, there's really a lot that you can gain from um, myofunctional training and improving your yes. breathing. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that myofunctional training, I think I think you touched a little bit just now. 
it's, you know, it's about activating the right muscles, but it's also not all about movement. It's also about um, isometrics, you see, just holding it in the same position as well. Um, I suppose with, with your background, what, what I'm doing, it's, it's like going to a gym for your mouth, <laughs> basically, right? Um, and we give, we give our patients gym exercises for the mouth muscles and we give them little tools um, to do their exercises. And they've got to practice their exercises in between visits. And, um, and our orofacial myologists, who are the, the people who, who are, are prescribing these exercises, they're like your personal trainers, basically. So it's literally like going to a gym for your mouth where you get uh, mouth exercises, gym equipment, and you get a personal trainer, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <beautiful>. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Their muscles, just like any other muscle, every other mm -hmm. muscle at the gym, they respond to, you know, some kind of tension that you challenge mm -hmm. the muscle first and then progressive mm -hmm. overload. Progressively, you're subjecting that muscle to higher and higher stress, and that's how you develop it. So what I found, yeah. you know, is like the, the, exactly the same thing applies to the tongue and the, this area. And, you know, for me, like obviously that unless we figure out a time machine and I can go back to my childhood and fix a few things, other than that, like I'm probably going to have to keep working on this, you know, for the rest of my life, I imagine then. And I'm absolutely happy to do that because it's had well, such the, a the number life. one thing, um, Coach Piri, for all these myofunctional training um, and even even I suppose there's some similarity with your line of work as well is being aware of the dysfunction. Right. I mean, if you're aware of it and then you're trying to get that better then once it gets better, you're going to try to maintain that, right? So, um, so that's why sometimes some of my patients, I do say, look, I still need to see you every six to 12 months because we're going to check how things are going. There are a lot of other factors that can influence the way you function. For example, I had a patient, um, this was quite uh, probably about a year or two ago, he was nose breathing, we developed his nasal breathing, tongue position, lip posture, everything was growing well, kept monitoring him every six months, reevaluating, see where he was at. There was one review appointment where he was suddenly mouth open, low tongue, mouth breathing again. And I was like, what happened to you? Like, what's going on? Like, you know, did you notice that this is happening? And the mom's like, yes, we've been noticing this and we can't work out why. Why suddenly he's not breathing again? Why suddenly he, he's a bit noisy when he sleeps and, and he's getting, you know, poor poorer quality of sleep and so on. After further questioning, what we realized was they got a new puppy and he was allergic to dog hair, right? His body was responding to what was going on. So the environment may actually also affect the functions, you see? And that's why maintenance is very, very important and being aware of what is going on and what is causing this dysfunction and work on that. Um, that is very, very important, yeah. Fantastic. And that's been that's been so, so um, incredibly valuable and useful. And Dr. Donny, before we wrap up today, I want to ask you, because this is the wellness and high performance podcast. And in that in that vein, I want to know for you, Dr. Donny, what is the number one high impact habit in your life that has the biggest impact on your wellness and performance that you absolutely couldn't live without? All right. <laughs> to me, 
it's always breathing through my nose <laughs> actually and i think that is the most important thing and um you know i i feel when i breathe through my nose everything's much calmer and my nervous systems are working much better i'm not over breathing um I, I i know that my body can function much better my energy level is much better and i'm the type of person who's got a personality where i need to be doing something all the time right and i'm always on the go and um and when i always make sure that i breathe through my nose then i can do things much quicker i actually can multitask much better um, my concentration is much better and um and i feel nose breathing is the number number one you know, functional health, optimal thing that everyone should try to to achieve and have a a goal. Um, you know, with 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 uh, with their lives. Yeah. Mm. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. So, Donny, how can the listener first of all, how can they learn more about you? And then, you know, if they're not based in Melbourne, mm-hmm. how can you find practitioners like yourself? Is there any network or along along that way? So to to connect with me for all your listeners out there, um, I have a social media pages. I'm I'm on Facebook and Instagram um, at Dr. Donnie Mandrawa, and um, and I also run courses with my uh, business partner from our parent company called Myo Focus M Y O Focus, and our courses. Um, there's a website called myofocuseducation.com. And so we usually have um, quite a few courses every year in which we teach dentists and even other health practitioners about what we do and about what they do. And we always collaborate with a lot of other health practitioners as well because we always treat every patient um, holistically. It's the whole body that we need to look at in terms of function. Our scope of practice as dentists are here, but... We do need the body workers, the osteopaths, the chiropractors, the physiotherapists to look after the whole posture. We need the sleep physician to look after, um, you know, the, the the sleep quality, the sleep study. We need the ear, nose, and throat specialist to look after the airway. We need the lactation consultant to look at the breastfeeding and so on and so on. So a lot of our courses have been designed um, with that collaborative approach um, of of the uh, health practitioners from the different disciplines as well. And um, in terms of, yeah, yes, I do practice in Melbourne and, uh, and um, I practice out of two locations. One is in North Melbourne, um, which is the Myofocus Melbourne Clinic. And my other location is in Baldwin in the east of, um, of the city. Uh, and that practice is called the Dental Suites. Suites as in hotel rooms, not suites as in candy and lollies, right? <laughs> the Dental Suites. Um, but in terms of, practitioners like myself around the world there are actually quite quite a few out there i wouldn't say it's it's that many i wouldn't say it's it's common and you can find them everywhere um i suppose if you look at myofunctional or airway dentistry or airway orthodontics then you should probably be able to connect with practitioners um, in your local area and and um you know every country that uh, uh that you know, they have different types of practitioners there. So I'm not sure um, how how many there are within your local area, but most common are in North America, Canada, um, and in Japan as well. Um, there's quite a few in Europe that, that are doing this stuff too. Um, and, uh, you know, so have a look. And, you know, when you jump on Google, myofunctional dentistry 
or airway dentistry or airway orthodontics. Those are usually the keywords that, uh, that you should type in to be able to connect with similar practitioners like myself. Perfect. Thank you so much. You're that welcome. was absolutely awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Donny. Thank you, Coach Perry. Thank you again for inviting me. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I don't even know how long that was. That was probably about an hour or so, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I could keep going and going, actually. It's, it's Absolutely. been um, very enjoyable and very fun um, having a chat with you and especially understanding your background as well and how similar it is to um, what I do and how, you know, we look after um, the people that come and see us. It's, it's been awesome. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you next time. See you next time. Wow, how amazing was that? And the most amazing thing is that how on earth haven't you heard about this already from anywhere else? No one talks about this stuff, but it has an impact on every single aspect of a child's development and therefore on the whole trajectory of their life. And I already explained my story in this episode and my passion for this breathing in, sleeping in, orofacial stuff, like why did I want to bring Dr. Donny here, is that if this can help even one kid to avoid the fate that I went through, and <laughs> you can ask my mom, like this wasn't pleasant for her. She'd spent tens of thousands of euros, you know, back in the early 2000s on taking me to the orthodontist and the dentist and 10 years of orthodontics and during this time no one ever told me to close your mouth stop breathing through your nose get that tongue in the correct place and you would have been able to get much better results from the orthodontics and they might have not even needed those orthodontics in the first place well, fast forward into my late 20s, now I'm turning 29 in, in a month. And I know for a fact that because of the fact that my orofacial development didn't go to plan, now I'm going to have to work on this stuff for the rest of my life. Luckily, I have some really, really cool tools that are attacking the root cause of the problems that I'm experiencing because of this stuff. So my problem is, and like a lot of other people's problems also is, is that they don't sleep well because their jaws aren't developed optimally. That causes there to be less space in the airways. And as Donny, Dr. Donnie explained, it's very easy for the tongue to collapse into the airway. You're going to snore, you're going to experience obstructive sleep apnea. And I can guarantee that no amount of sleep hygiene things are going to help you with that. You're going to have to attack the root cause of the problem. So if you suspect that you have any, you know, you snore or you have, you've noticed that you wake up a lot at night or and your sleep quality isn't very good, you should contact a physician without delay and ask for a sleep study. In the meantime, you should work on the root causes of those problems. And as has been described already, unfortunately, we can't grow those jaws anymore since you're an adult. However, here's what you can do. Number one, you can retrain yourself to breathe through your nose. You can increase your tolerance to carbon dioxide 
And if you want to learn more about that, I would recommend you to listen to my last episode with Martin McPhillamy. You want to increase your tolerance to carbon dioxide so that your breathing rates reduce. So you breathe less air and you breathe slower. That in and of itself is going to reduce the chances of snoring and obstructive sleep apnea. What you can also do is that you can train the tongue. The tongue is a muscle and we have other muscles which are called the pharyngeal constrictor muscles that actually make up the airway. So with exercises, you know, poking your tongue out or making certain sounds and doing certain exercises with your tongue or with these orofacial muscles, you can make those muscles stronger. You can make those muscles have more endurance. And when these muscles become better developed, they are, first of all, that tongue is less likely to collapse into the airway. And second of all, those airway muscles are going to be able to resist the tendency of the airway to collapse much more effectively. And there's really good evidence. There's a meta-analysis by Camacho et al. from 2015, if I remember correctly, where they showed that adults with moderate to severe obstructive sleep apnea, so these are adults that are waking up at least 15 times an hour, when they did orofacial myofunctional training, their sleep apnea scores reduced by 50%. And that's an absolute massive, massive change. So, what are the key takeaways here? Number one, early intervention is key. But number two, if early intervention is no longer possible for you, you can still work on the function and on the structure of the airway by trying to improve the functioning of those upper airway muscles and by retraining yourself to breathe through your nose all the time, not only when you're awake, but especially when you're asleep. The way I can help you do that is because I have put all the information, all the exercises when it comes to breathing retraining that I've learned from Oxygen Advantage and all the orofacial myofunctional training exercises that I've learned from doing an introductory course in orofacial myofunctional training and through by applying this stuff for myself for two years now, every single day doing those exercises, I've put all that together into a resource, what I call the Breathing Foundations course. And if you want to learn more about that, you're more than welcome to send me a message on Instagram at CoachBooter or send me an email hello at CoachBooter.com or to by going through CoachBooter.com slash Breathing Foundations. If you found this episode useful, please share it to other people. Please share it to other parents. Let everybody know about this stuff because it's absolutely vital. Like Dr. Donnie said, early intervention is key and we need to spread the information to the people who need it the most, which is parents and soon-to-be parents of newborn children. Thank you so much for listening. This is Coach Putter. Let's do this, my friend.